Welcome to the Good Fight Radio Show, a program dedicated to bringing you vital and uncompromised truths that you won't hear in the mainstream media, discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how these issues relate to family, culture, and the church. The heart of this show is to glorify Jesus Christ and expose the works of darkness as he is commanded in Ephesians 5.11. Now here's your host, Good Fight Ministries' own Chad Davidson. It's so interesting. Back back in 2012, we did a, a video called The Submerging Church, and it was about the emergent church movement. And then about five years later, I had written an article and I had quoted specifically Brian McLaren. And and we you know, it's so funny because in the progressive Christian movement, there's a number of big names that we kind of can throw out. But Brian mm-hmm. McLaren was one of the biggest guys in the emergent church movement with with Doug Padgett and Rob Bell and so forth. Mm-hmm. And he said this, and I and I thought Back then, I said, this is what's going to happen inside churches, and it really does describe a lot of the stuff that you've mentioned, specifically with progressive Christianity. And he says this, because people were saying, where has the emergent church gone? We, you know, it kind of seems like it died. He said, the conversation continues to grow, not by creating a new slice of the pie, but by seasoning nearly all sectors of the pie. Even where the word emergent is not used, ideas from emergent leaders are being considered and adopted, leading to new experimentation and openness. Now, Mm. I think that, sadly, those words have become prophetic. And I think that, is there a connection? Do you see a connection between what was typically called the emergent church movement and now what is now progressive Christianity? Absolutely. And I was so puzzled when maybe three or four, Three or four years ago, when I was right in the depth of my study of progressive Christianity, I would go on Twitter and I would see these major evangelical leaders almost joking about the emergent movement. Like, remember that? That went away fast. And I'm like going, went away? What are you talking about? It's (laughs) like the biggest thing in the church right now. And I couldn't understand why they thought it went away. But it all started to make sense when I read, it. interesting, that same year, 2012, uh, Brian McLaren in another blog post and I don't have it in front of me, so I'll have to paraphrase it, but he basically said, you know, evangelical gatekeepers successfully drove the emergent conversation underground, or really we should say online is really where it it, it Mm. grew, was on social media platforms, blog forums, uh, community chat rooms, things like that. And Brian McLaren said, but nope, we've not gone anywhere. We haven't changed our mission. We haven't changed what we're talking about. He said, we just don't use the E word so much anymore. And so he said, you know, sometimes it's missional Christianity we we use, or maybe it's progressive Christianity we use. But we just, you know, we're the same people. We're saying the same thing. We're growing, but we're just not using the word emergent anymore. And so I think, like you said, sadly prophetic, I think he got that exactly right. I think that the emergent movement is as strong as ever. They just don't call it that anymore. So you have the grandfathers of the movement now, the guys like Paget and Tony Jones and Brian Claren, who have really influenced, and Richard Rohr, too, who have influenced this younger generation to kind of take the reins and bring that message to a much broader culture. But I think what happened, too, is when, you know, remember when Rob Bell's book came out, Love Wins, and John uh, Piper famously tweeted, farewell, Rob Bell, and everybody thought, oh, that took care of it. You know, like, we know, everybody knows about Rob Bell, so just beware and avoid him. And But what people don't realize is that because of the internet, Everybody who was attracted to that could all find each other. They could grow. They could grow their numbers. 
and at, while that was all happening, they were still in evangelical churches. They were still influencing their small groups. And that's why, like when that's an interesting word McLaren would use in the one that you quoted, the seasoning, because like it's like they were seasoning their churches. And that's, I think, why we see so many churches. I, I get emails every day of people saying, I can't find a church yep. that's not just totally infiltrated with progressive Christianity. It's almost impossible in some places in the country to even find a faithful church. And so um, I think that the movement grew and festered and infiltrated the evangelical church really kind of um, on the down low. You know, it's like they they weren't they weren't announcing themselves, but they were just sort of influencing with these ideas. And I think that's why it's become such an influential movement, even though it's not called emergent anymore. Yeah. And I think it's scriptural, right? Creeping in unnoticed. <laughs> and uh Exactly yes. like what Jude says, you know, and I, I think it's so important to, and once again, we're speaking with Elisa Childers specifically on this issue of progressive Christianity. And we're talking about how the emergent church movement has kind of, I guess, you know, changed its flavor of, of pie, so to speak, using um, Brian McLaren's own language there. But mm -hmm. one of the things when I, I look at this and I see this, I think it'd be a great time, maybe getting some some practical usage here of what are some of the ways that maybe if somebody is going to a church or maybe they're like, hey, I, I go to this church, I'm having a tough time. As you mentioned, plenty of people, that is the most common email that we get. I have such a tough time finding a church. I'm in this area. So maybe if you can help us with maybe some practical ways that if you're listening or following a pastor or teacher, maybe he's online or maybe it's the pastor you go to, maybe what what are some of some telltale signs or maybe some lingo that, that is being used that somebody can say, hey, this kind of seems like we're moving towards a progressive realm that I don't want to be a part of. Yeah. And that's the question, right? And so I actually have a couple of blog posts on my website. One of them is called Five Signs Your Church Might Be Heading Toward Progressive Christianity. And then the other one I believe is called Is My Favorite Pastor, Teacher, Speaker, a progressive Christian, because this is the number one question people want to know. And the thing, the reason it's so hard to discern sometimes is because progressive Christians will tell you, look, it, it, we all believe different things. There's a broad spectrum of beliefs that fall under the umbrella of progressive Christianity. You can't really characterize it a certain way. Um, I, I argue with that. I think you can. I, I read their books for two years and they're all saying the same things. <laughs> and so I think that they're right in saying that in progressive Christianity, it's not really about what you believe. Um, what you actually would affirm is pretty fluid, but the denials are pretty dogmatic, the things they deny. Mm. And so I would be looking for a denial of the Bible as a whole being the inspired authoritative word of God. Of course, if you are in a progressive church and call the Bible inerrant, you would get laughed out the door. I mean, that that is such a bygone uh, concept in, in the progressive mindset. So if there's a denial of the Bible or a lowered view of the Bible, if you hear your pastor saying things like, well, you know, these were people just trying to figure God out in the times and places that they lived. But, you know, we've come to a higher view of God now so we can look back and say, well, you know, Paul had these prejudices and biases. So that affected what he said about sexuality. It affected what he said about women. You know, we, we can look back on that now and realize, well, those were just his biases talking. That's that is a denial of biblical inspiration. So you want to look for that. You want to look for a denial of the atonement. If the atonement is referred mm. to as cosmic child abuse or any kind of uh, words like 
abusive doctrine is used in reference to the atonement, that would be a telltale sign that your church or your pastor is moving in a progressive direction. Um, a, a denial of core doctrines, like a denial of original sin would be a denial that you have a sin nature, that you are a sinner in need of a savior would be something to look for. Now, there are some things that are, I think, dogmatic in the progressive church that re regard to affirmations. And I would say two of those, of course, be looking for uh, an affirmation of same-sex marriage and relationships. That's going to be a hallmark of the progressive church. And also a, a sort of acceptance of what I'm going to call critical social justice. And I, I say it that way because that's more of a technical term. Mm. Of course, we believe in justice. We're Christians. God is just. It's one of his attributes. We always want to <laughs> be just, do justice, and look for justice in the world. But the way culture has define justice is very much opposed to how the Bible defines justice. And in the progressive church, they are going to accept and, and advocate for the secular definition of social justice. And so uh, look for those couple of affirmations and look for some of those other denials of core gospel essentials would, or at least implicit denials. If you hear them talk about Jesus resurrection, they might not say, well, he wasn't resurrected from the dead, but they might say, well, it's it's not so much, it doesn't matter if we believe that he was physically resurrected, it matters the lesson we can learn from the story. Or if they say things like, you know, Jesus never asked to be worshipped, he never told people to worship him as God, and yet we do. You know, it's like that's an implicit denial of his deity, so look for things like that. But, um, but overall, I think if you look for any, you know, one or more of those elements I mentioned, it's pretty good sign that your church is heading in that direction. Wow, I, I think those are really good insights. And, you know, as, like you said, you get emails, we're get, we get emails on the same, it's very interesting. We get the emails on the, on the same kind of platitude there because we're, people are wondering what, what is going on? Where, you know, where can I find out? Like, I, I can't really understand. And I mean, you were going to a church specifically that the messages were great. And then behind closed doors, the guy doesn't even believe it. And it's like, yeah. it's heartbreaking. It's, it's heartbreaking. But Praise God for people like Elisa Childers and, and others that are out there and proclaiming the truth of the gospel and, and once again, lifting up the word of God, because this is so, so important, is where is our standard? What What is your standard? And so many of them, as you said, the first thing is putting those questions. You talked about, we talked about deconstruction. And the first thing I remember, uh, because I remember my I have four kids and we used to watch, uh, there was... A little thing, and sadly, we're talking, uh, you know, even Phil Vischer's kind of worrying, worrying about where he's going on that as well. But but he yeah. had come out with a series specifically where he used Rhett and Link, who were these YouTubers, and he had them come on and do little Bible songs. And I was showing them to my kids, and they were just easy memorization songs. And I was like, wow, these are really cool. And then I was like, oh, they're kind of funny guys. I'll check them out. And then I realized, oh, their producer of their show is uh, um, open lesbian and... All of this is going on. And the next thing you know, on their podcast, they're doing their deconstruction. And one of the first things I noticed immediately was Bart Ehrman, that they had gone and, and read a book from Bart Ehrman. And all of a sudden, now I don't have to put any trust in what scripture says. Always yeah. interesting how a lot of times there's some sort of sexual issue that leads to a denial of the word of God. But nonetheless, the, the denial of the word of God. And, and one of the things I want to encourage you guys is check out uh, Lisa Childers also on her YouTube channel. She has a ton of great interviews. In fact, she just recently interviewed Andres Kostenberger, Dr. Andres Kostenberger, 
concerning Bart Ehrman and some of the things that he has done. And you also have an interview with somebody we interviewed as well, Dr. Michael J. Kruger, concerning scripture as well. And so I, I just want to encourage you guys to check that out because it is really, really important, as she's mentioned quite clearly, when it comes to the first thing I think, and maybe you can correct me on this, when it comes to progressive Christianity, is that denial of the true and errant word of God. Yeah, I, I, I would say that. And well, you kind of mentioned them together, the sexuality issue in the Bible. They kind of go together. Um, and what's interesting is earlier we were talking about deconstruction stories where people will put up on Instagram, you know, I had all these questions. I didn't know where to go with my questions. And then usually they'll list out a bunch of apologetics questions. But if you listen, I, I still to this day don't think I've listened to one deconstruction story where sexuality wasn't assumed, mm. it, where it wasn't assumed that the Bible got that wrong or that Christians have gotten that wrong. If you listen very carefully, um, even with Rhett and Link, they go through all of these intellectual reasons. You know, I don't think I believe the resurrection happened or I doubted faith and science and all of this. But then he gets to the end and, and there's just like this, well, and I couldn't, I couldn't really believe that this view of sexuality was right because I have gay friends or I have this or that. And so there's, even if it's the person's not themselves struggling with their own sexuality, mm. struggling with the biblical sexual ethic. And so the reason that goes hand in hand, because if you can get the Bible out of the way, well, then you can say, oh, well, we can, we don't have to believe that. And so, yeah, Bart Ehrman becomes sort of an off-ramp for many people. They'll read, uh, you know, one of his uh, books and, and then they're like, oh, okay, great. So I don't have to believe the Bible's <laughs> right about this stuff. And now I can go over here and, and be affirming. And so I think that, I think more than even just these problematic apologetics questions, Lying underneath it is really just this um, discomfort with biblical morality. And I think that's why there's such a push to get the Bible out of the way. I think that's why there was such a push to get the Bible out of the way in the class that I was in, in the progressive church, because it was all about the church moving toward becoming affirming, which they did, uh, you know, years later. And that that's what that trajectory was about. We got to get the Bible out of the way so that we can affirm these things. I, that's That's my opinion of what I think is really underneath many to most and possibly all deconstruction stories. Wow. I, I am so glad that you said it because I remember <laughs> reading, uh, I think a tweet from Frank Turek and he specifically said the exact same thing you're saying. And yes. then I look and John Steingard replies and then in his reply, he then goes, well, I guess, yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. See, so this is, I'm so glad you brought up that tweet because I actually mentioned that to Frank the next time I talked to him and he hadn't seen it, but um, he hadn't seen John's reply. But Frank's statement was that, you know, underneath all the deconstruction stories, there's this issue of morality. And John came on and said, Frank, you know, I was on your show. You saw my deconstruction story. You know my story. I wasn't wrestling with my sexuality. But notice that the, John turned it. Frank wasn't saying that everyone who goes through deconstruction is questioning their own, but they're questioning the ethic. And absolutely in John's, uh, when he, you know, and, and I know John and he's, you know, he's a nice guy. So not like Duncan on John, right, but, right. but he did, you know, that's what he put on Instagram was a statement basically making that assumption that biblical morality was wrong, along with all these other apologetics questions. And I think Frank's tweet was right. I think he's right about that. Yeah. Amen. I, I couldn't agree more. And when I saw it, I, it's so funny how you kind of can envision. I'm like, I know how this will be turned into, I don't know, yeah. struggle with this, but yeah, that's yeah. not what he's saying, you know, quite yeah. clearly. And I, and I think that's why I was, I, I love that you brought that out because 
I noticed the same thing. And then I was like, did I tweet this or Frank? You know, because I, I read those same things and I saw, like you said, and I love the way you put it. It's, it's a biblical sexual ethic that they're trying to get away from, whatever that may be. And yeah. I do think that Satan has done an excellent job when it comes to your kids going off to college. And now they're at a place where all their friends are drinking and sleeping together. And next thing you know, their professor is also questioning everything they've ever believed as a kid. And it is like the perfect, like just mix of your fleshly desires mixed with somebody telling you what you've believed all along, what your parents have told you, what your pastors told you is simply not true. And yeah. it's it's really heartbreaking. It's really sad. And uh, mm-hmm. once again, I, I want to say we're talking with Elisa Childers and specifically uh, I wanted to bring up again another gospel because you talk about in your book, you actually go in detail and you bring it back all the way to exactly what Satan said, right? Hath God said, right? Did God really mm-hmm. say this? Questioning God's word immediately. And you go back to there, but then you also go into early church history as well. And we are big fans of, of reading a lot of the early church fathers and, and things like that. I We talked about already uh, Michael J. Kruger and, and and Andres Kostenberger, the book, The Heresy of Orthodoxy, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. book. And we suggest anyone to check that out. Um, but I've always wondered, especially when we talk about progressive and new one of the things that seems to be linked is also for me, and I and I and I'd have to ask you as well, is somewhat it seems very akin to some of the early ancient heresies that the early church battled against, and I would say specific to Gnosticism and uh, Docetism and so forth. But I don't know if you saw that same link as well. I did. In fact, I actually have a chapter in another gospel where I compare some of the ancient heresies with some of the views of progressives. Now, there's not an ancient heresy that's identical. It's always going to take on a slightly different flavor. It's going to refine itself a little more uh, as time goes on. You know, people get a little bit smarter at making the deception more palatable. But one of the ones that really stood out to me was Martianism. So, you know, Martian basically rejecting, well, actually, Martian believed that the God of the New Testament and the God of the Old Testament were actually two different deities, and that the God of the Old Testament was evil and petty and cruel and you know then but there's some threads of that in gnosticism as well but i i see that in progressive christianity Mm -hmm. a lot of course they wouldn't take it so far to say it's two different gods they would just say well the people who wrote about the god of the old testament didn't get him right they they were just doing their best to understand him but they would agree with martian that the god of the old testament as he's portrayed in the bible is is evil is cruel is abusive is petty and um and so they they kind of find a different way to explain that but i mean even going back to the what i think is probably the first heresy which would be the the circumcision party the the group that was saying look if you want to be a christian mm-hmm. you have to first convert to judaism and go through all of the the rites and rituals of that and then you can call yourself a christian and paul is so adamant saying no that you don't have to go be circumcised to be a christian essentially they were trying to add works to the gospel and i think progressives do that as well because the gospel in progressive christianity has so much to do with what causes you're advocating for what's you know what kind of things you're saying on twitter you're doing the right virtue signals you're you're saying the right things and 
you're towing the party line on some of these uh, these big causes and issues. And uh, I, I see that very much as a workspace gospel because it's not mm -hmm. about grace. I don't think progressives understand grace. And and the circumcision party didn't understand that either. And so there, there had to be correction. And even, you know, what's so interesting too is just how Peter was intimidated by them. So I, I, I love that he was because it kind of gives me hope like, you know, sometimes I feel intimidated. I know we all do when all of these ideas seem to be like what everybody's advocating for. And you're like, am I just the crazy one over here? But, you know, we, we all have that, you know, that tendency and that possibility of being intimidated. But, you know, like Paul opposed him to his face. You can't you can't be doing that. You keep, you have to stand for truth. And so I think that's a good word for us today as well. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And the only reason I was laughing is because, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're saying. You know, I, I've been there. You just have so yeah. many, you know, it's just like every time it just seems like another barrage. And sometimes you have people that fall into these things. And because it is deceptive, you know, it sounds good on the surface. And I think that happens a lot of times when it comes to progressive Christianity. They care about, you know, the justice of what's going on over here. And, you know, when you first, the first to plead his case seems right until someone comes and examines him. And right. so when you hear those things like, well, yeah, Jesus didn't have to die. This is cosmic child abuse and so forth. And if you don't have the, the shepherds there, as Ephesians 4 clearly says they're there, so you aren't tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. If you don't have them there to help, this can get you into a very icy kind of place where you could be slipping and sliding down this hill of progressivism. And so yeah. I think this is a great, great time. We got about eight minutes or so left. I would love to maybe get some insights because I know you've had some people leave progressive churches come out of the progressive movement after hearing some of the things that you brought out that, and I love it because your testimony obviously is different than ours. That's why, you know, there's hands and feet to the body of Christ. And to hear someone who says, wow, I was almost enticed by this. It was Irenaeus uh, who said basically that when it comes to the Gnostics, they make the, the lie seem so beautiful that it's more true than truth itself. And so it yeah. can seem as though, so I would love for you to maybe give us some insights of, hey, how do I start a conversation that won't go completely off the rails immediately if I'm talking to a progressive Christian? Yeah, this is a great question, and I'll do my best to answer, but I also want to point everyone to a resource. Um, just about two weeks ago, I did a live stream with a guy named Dave Stovall. Dave used to be in the band Audio Adrenaline. And he was fully deconstructed and a progressive Christian when he met a local pastor who saw in him that he was an honest seeker. And essentially, this pastor discipled him back to historic Christianity. And now wow. Dave speaks out against progressive Christianity. It's an amazing story. But I had both Dave and his pastor, Bobby, on a live stream on YouTube. You can find it on my YouTube channel. And this is exactly the, the discussion we had. is like, how do we do what you did, Bobby? How do we have these kind of conversations and make these relationships? And one of the things that, that Bobby said uh, th about Dave is he said, I saw in Dave that he was teaching. I saw that he was an honest seeker. And of course, Bob, you know, Dave didn't know this at the time, but Bobby had been through a lot of these questions himself. Bobby's a very, um, very capable apologist and theologian. So he was able to answer a lot of the questions Dave had very calmly because he'd already kind of been on that journey himself. And so I, I would say learning from that, the, the first and foremost thing that we have to do is it's so tempting to want to just like wrap everything up in one hour coffee session at Starbucks with someone, you know, like just get, <laughs> get them to turn around and like, okay, we're all good. But these, 
the progress the progressive Christianity, when it really takes hold of somebody, it's taken years and years and years and years of of deconstruction and unraveling what they've believed to get them to that point. It's not going to all I mean, with I mean, of course, I don't want to discount what the Holy Spirit can do in an hour. The Holy Spirit can do it in a second. <laughs> but typically speaking, you know, that takes time. It takes time to untie some of those knots. And every progressive Christian I've talked to who came out of it back to a historic faith has said that somebody just took interest in 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 them, cared about their story. They cared about why they had changed their mind on certain things, listened, wasn't just trying to get to the zinger, but they were really trying to listen and understand. And I think that because in progressive Christianity, it's it's so uh, based on, we haven't even talked about this, but it's so based on this postmodern sort of relativism where you sort of make your own truth, you live your own truth. It's so based on that 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 mindset takes such a deep hold that when you come around saying, well, that's wrong, that's not true, that is genuinely seen by many progressive Christians and postmoderns as being a real attack on their person. And so I think that a really wise thing to do is ask a lot of genuine questions, wanting to get to know the person, why they think the way they do, where they came, how they came to the conclusions that they did. And that will help to foster an environment where we can maybe start to push back a little bit or share our views. But um, but just to take genuine interest in the person because God loves them and, and show them love, make them. And that's one thing that Dave said about his relationship with Bobby is he said, I really felt like Bobby loved me. And he didn't just ask me about my faith. He asked me what TV shows I liked. He asked me about other things about my life, my kids, my wife. And so, um, you know, I think that, that that's just a great example to follow is to really love people and view this as a discipleship journey. This isn't necessarily like a, you know, let's, let's fix this person in an hour at, at Starbucks. <laughs> no, amen. And I haven't even seen that one yet. I've seen a number of your videos on your YouTube channel and it's just youtube.com slash Alisa Childers. Is that right? I just want to make sure yeah. I got that one right. And I, I do love so many of the interviews and I, and I want to, I just want to compliment you. I was telling Tony, our, our show's producer, probably a couple months ago, I said, Hey, you know what? Cause we started doing inter more interviews and I said, I have really enjoyed watching Alisa interview people. I think you do a great job. I think you do a great job of not cutting people off. And sometimes, you know, that can be uh, myself. So I want to make sure I'm not doing that. And, <laughs> you know, I, I think it's awesome what, what you're doing. And I can't wait to watch that. I'm literally going to go watch that because I have someone right now that is doing exactly what you're describing. They're meeting with a friend who is deconstructing. And the sexual ethic is something that came up immediately. And it's going on right now as we speak. And I think that interview will probably be an absolute blessing for them mm. to hopefully can minister and 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 hopefully help them to know how to share because I think those things are are so important. It's great to have, you know, your theological T's crossed and your I's dotted and all that stuff. I believe apologetics in in my view, your apologetics are what is birthed out of your theology and having a deep robust mm. theology will breathe out apologetics. So you be able to speak to people that that are falling into these arenas, that are falling into these areas and it all comes back to the Word of God and understanding the Word of God. So, Elisa, what is it that you're working on? Now, I, I had been told that you were working on another book. Is that right or, or no? That's correct. I'm I'm wrapping up. I'm over halfway finished with my next book, and I'm really excited about it. It's been really fun to write. It's called Live Your Truth and Other Lies, 
And then the subtitle is How Popular Deceptions Are Making Us Anxious, Self-Obsessed, and Exhausted. So each chapter of the book is going to take on a popular deception, things like I am enough, um, you know, you are perfect just as you are, God just wants you to be happy, uh, things like that. And so there's lots of storytelling, and we take a look at what the lie looks like in culture. Then we talk a little bit about how it fails logically, why this just doesn't even make sense. Then we go to the Bible and we talk about what the Bible has to say about it. And I'm really excited. It's been fun to write. So that's hopefully going to be out fall of 2022. Well, praise God. I'm going to be excited when that comes out as well. We'll probably have to bother you again and and hopefully get you back because this has been an absolute blessing for me. I got a big thumbs up from Tony as the interview was going saying this is an awesome interview. So you've been a blessing to us. I really want to encourage you guys, go to alisachilders.com. You can get the book there, Another Gospel, or you can check out a ton of her resources. She has a lot of stuff. She already mentioned her blog on there. A lot of the stuff we've talked about is stuff that I had watched, and I said, wow, that stuff is really good. I want people on the Good Fight Radio Show to hear all this stuff. So I want to thank you so much for Alisa Childers joining us today. You have been an absolute blessing. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was fun. (laughs) Praise God. Well, God bless you guys, and we'll check you guys out on the next one. God bless. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show brought to you by Good Fight Ministries. If you're blessed by this show and would like to partner with us, please consider visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash goodfight. Or you can write to us at P.O. Box 2202, Simi Valley, California, 93062. Or call us toll-free at 1-866-JC-TRUTH. That's 1-866-528-7884. We hope you'll tune in next time on the Good Fight Radio Show.